Life Audio. This week, I am airing a series of episodes that I actually originally aired last summer, but it's all about missions trips because I think a lot of people do their missions trips over the summer. But if you are someone that has ever thought about going on a mission trip, has thought about going on a mission trip with us, with the She Hears organization, I think this week will be a blessing to you. If you've never thought about going on missions before, I want to challenge you to just listen with an open heart and open mind to what God might be calling you to do. I pray this week blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. This week, as I served in the Dominican Republic, I was reminded of some valuable concepts that I wanted to share with you and hopefully maybe open your eyes a little bit to some things that I think are really important to remember when you're on the mission field. And when I say mission field, I say that loosely because I do really think that everywhere is our mission field. Specifically, I mean when we travel in country to another place where we do not live specifically to minister. I have worked for a long time in the area of missions in different capacities, both as a children's minister, spiritual care director, participant. I've worked largely in the continent continent of Africa and in the Caribbean, although I've had influence over curriculum and programs that have been done in other countries as well. But most of my experience has been uh, in Africa and the Caribbean. And so One of the things that I think is important to point out is that when we are doing missions, there's this concept that's a very common thing when people that have a measure of wealth that the area that they're serving does not have, where there's an unspoken power dynamic. That's It's just the reality of what happens when somebody that has money is serving somebody that does not have money. And so automatically there's always this level of um, control and power that is kind of unspoken undercurrent. But in addition to that, there's some practical things that we can be aware of and be conscious of so that we don't contribute to that even further. One of the things that I love about the organization I work for, Children of the Nations, is this idea of sustainability. And years ago, when I was working for a different organization, I remember being in uh, Kenya and we would take things like, you know, balls or school supplies or whatever it was. And for this one particular trip, they took flip-flops and, you know, flip-flops in the States are cheap. And the team was excited to be able to fill their suitcases to the brim with all these flip-flops. And we went to, we always worked in this one area 
that was a garbage dump, basically, where children lived. There was actually a school there, and there was people that just lived in this garbage dump. And um, I was not present this day when the distribution happened, but they, of course, said to the children in this garbage dump that we're bringing you these flip-flops because Jesus sent us and he wants to bless you and all that. And so um, immediately what I would recognize is that they put the flip-flop man out of business, of course, and then they're distributing these flip-flops. And wouldn't you know it, by the time they get to the end of the distribution, they're one short. And so there's a little boy that is coming to get his flip-flops in the name of Jesus and there's no flip-flops for him. And that is heartbreaking to me that we would have this precedent where we'd say, oh, we're bringing these flip-flops in the name of Jesus because he loves you. And then to, what's that communicate to that little boy that, that God would love everybody but him? I mean, that's the reality of the situation. And then what it also did is it created this dependency because, you know, flip-flops don't last very long. So then the questions were, well, when are you coming back to bring us more flip-flops? And at the time, while I didn't know what the right way was, I felt like that was not it. And I couldn't articulate it other than the fact that I knew that, that this was not um, going to be effective for, for at least for that little boy. And long term, this was not going to be effective. And so one of the principles that Children of the Nations believes in is sustainability. And what I mean by sustainability is how can we go in and serve people in a way that doesn't contribute to the larger problem, but helps resolve the problem. So one of the principles that attracted me to COTN is the way that they do this in country. So for example, instead of taking a bunch of dresses, which is something we used to do all the time, they would take material and sewing machines and teach the widows in the program how to sew and how to use this material so then they could sell those dresses and then buy more material and then perhaps upgrade their machine and now all of a sudden it's kind of like a microloan almost where they now have a sustainable business that they can support themselves and that model to me is so effective and we've seen it how effective it can be in each of the countries that we work in. And so I mentioned that because I think what's going to happen is now that we are kind of coming out of, maybe perhaps still climbing out of this pandemic season that kept everybody from traveling, um, they just recently let go of the restriction of needing uh, documented negative testing for COVID to come back into the States. And so what I think is going to happen is we're going to see an increase in the amount of people that are starting to go on mission trips again. And so what I would propose is that when you are going on these post-pandemic trips, that you would examine the reasons why you're going. Are you going because you just want the experience and you want to tour the country and you want to see where the poor people live? If that's your reasoning, then don't go. If you're going because you truly want to see and make a difference in the lives of people that are desperate for hope, desperate for the gospel, desperate for change in their lives, then then think through the methods of how and why you're doing the things that you're doing. 
I would heavily recommend a book called When Helping Hurts or Helping Without Hurting. Um, there's a small group experience workbook that you can do that kind of explains this basic premise. But this idea of coming alongside of local national people that God has called to minister in that context, to support them, to resource them, to equip them in a way that makes sense for them, instead of just going and handing out a random thing that, that you feel called to, to hand out. That's my challenge. My challenge is to really look at the foundational aspects of what happens when we go on mission trips and possibly like the long-term consequences of that. And by consequences, I mean there could be good consequences or there could be bad consequences. I know for us in one country when we did do that one time, and this was actually prior to coming to COTN, but in one country uh, we did a uh, rescue program for girls that were selling themselves on the street. And a lot of them were super young, like 10, 11 years old. And so part of that rescue operation included transferring them to a different part of the country and giving them the tools that they needed for a business license and schooling and uh, recovery. And so um, I went, there was one area in particular that it was a space of maybe like three years between when I visited. And so, of course, this is what happened in, in the first visit. We got her out of that situation, got her all set up. She wanted to uh, open a dress shop. So we, of course, you know, helped her get started. And then when we returned three years later, not only was the girl still running her dress shop, but she was making the clothes for the president's wife, the president of the country. And not only that, but she was taking the money a portion of the money that she was earning and she was going back and she was rescuing other girls off the street. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to continue talking about how we can help without hurting. Stay tuned. That's sustainability. That is financial sustainability. It is emotional sustainability. It's spiritual sustainability because these girls when they came off the street got involved in a Christian discipleship program. Those are the kinds of impacts that I believe we are called to make when it comes to missions. I, I remember my one of my first trips in country. I felt so convicted about this later, but I came back with a, a lot of really good pictures, a lot of pictures of people that were living in pretty desperate situations. Um, some were selfies of me and these kids, and some were just pictures of, of them and the conditions they were living in. And as I was going through those pictures after that trip, the Holy Spirit said to me, how many of those people did you pray for or pray with? And if I'm honest, the answer was none. I essentially was a tourist. And that has changed things for me at this point. When I go, I rarely even have my camera on me. Um, you know, I kind of rely on other people taking pictures if there are any. Um, but that's not what's important to, to me now. Now, every single opportunity I get, I ask people if I can pray with them or for them. And we have seen incredible things. God has done incredible things, healings and deliverances and um, changing life life situations and hearing life stories because I just ask the question, can I pray for you? Or how can I pray for you? So my encouragement is if and when you go on these trips, don't stand by. Don't stand around talking to each other about how terrible the situation is. Go ask somebody if you can pray for them. Go ask somebody what their story is. Have a conversation. Don't be a tourist taking pictures and selfies of you and, and the kids that have it worse off than you do. But instead, ask the Holy Spirit while you're there. Ask the Holy Spirit what his job is for you to do. And I can guarantee you your experience will be different. 
Father God, I thank you for the Great Commission and the call that you've given us as believers to go into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and, and what that means for us as we serve and share the gospel um, in our local community, in our regional context, and in the global context. Lord God, I, I thank you for the burden that you have given your people to share your love and your hope with people on the other side of the world. Lord, I pray that you would even just now begin to open their eyes to ways that they can help without hurting. God, I thank you for the wisdom in that philosophy and the way that you've already used it to change countless lives. I thank you for who you are and what you continue to do through your people that are obedient to surrendering their hearts, their minds, their wills, and their actions to yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.